Hi, Hi. welcome to Hospitality, Hospitality Live with Rupesh. Each week, each week feature an industry leader, leader that will share the latest trends and the best strategies to, to help you grow. Now, now welcome your welcome host, host Rupesh Patel. Patel. Hey, 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 good morning, guys. Good morning, everyone. Good morning to the show. All right. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. This is episode number 68. I am super excited about this conversation. Guys, it's the end of the year. Uh, a lot is happening in the hospitality industry. And for all of us, we're trying to get into the holiday mood, right? And this is episode number 68. I'm super excited to talk to this gentleman. He's a leader. Um, you probably all know him. Guys, comment and let us know where you're watching from. He is the president and CEO of Best Western Hotels and Resorts. I'm super excited about that. David Kahn will be here in a minute. Um, I'm excited about that. Guys, comment and let me know where you're watching from because guess what? Before the end of the show, like we do every week, giving away a $50 Amazon gift card to the person that's most engaging on this show. Guys, today's episode, you're going to learn about leadership and hospitality and how you can grow yourself. Uh, discover what's in store for 2021 at, for your hotel and learn how David became the CEO of his company. He has a great story and I'm super excited about that. This week's, uh, we're gonna go right to the mindset. Every week I talk about a mindset uh, that kind of helps us grow. It's helped me grow to share this with you and guys, Please comment. Let us know where you're watching from. We have people from all over the place. We have people from, um, let's see, Nashville. Good morning. Uh, Richmond, Toronto, Lexington, Tampa, Dubai. I love this. Mississippi, New York. Good morning. Fargo, Maryland, Texas, Mississippi, Florida, Houston, Illinois, Qatar. Good morning, guys, to everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show. When I told my friends and family that I was going to have uh, Mr. Kong on, they were like, what? Are you crazy? Are you kidding me? So they're watching. Guys, good morning to my family and friends. Good morning to all the connections here on LinkedIn. I'm so excited about this episode. And every week, like I said, we talk about a mindset. And this week's mindset, I posted this yesterday. And it is, it's simple. In business, if you want to be a professional, just be nice. Start off with being nice, right? There's no reason to be mean to somebody that you don't agree with, right? Kindness matters. And um, I, always, I always think about this when I don't agree with somebody, I just, I try not to uh, offend them, right? Or, and words like, please, thank you, ask them a question, I appreciate. Like, you know, I get a lot of requests on here on LinkedIn to say, Will you do this for me? Will you do this for me? We'd be on this show. And I could just say no, but I don't do that. And it's part of being a professional, a business professional, when you're talking about being nice and kindness matters. So that's this week's mindset. And, uh, you know, it, it means so much. And, you know, it doesn't cost a penny to be nice, right? And you can go back to episode number 66 and uh, watch uh, Jones Laughlin, how we talk about powerful words that can change your mindset, it can change your business and how you use them um, in your everyday life. And it's super important. And, and guys, comment and hit the like button if you do agree. Um, and uh, let me get right into this week's episode. So guys, this week's episode is uh, brought to you by our good friends at SGS. And uh, thank you so much for them for sponsoring this episode. Because of them, uh, we make this show happen. And guys, 
I am posting in here. Uh, actually, here's the link to it, so that way you can grab it real quick. And I want everybody to go to this website. It is I made a quick link, and it's bitly, b-i-t dot l-y forward slash s-g-s, Rupesh. Guys, click that link. Actually, somebody put this link in the chat for LinkedIn because I'm uh, we have we have YouTube and LinkedIn on the same stream. So somebody put this in the chat, guys. SGS, thank you so much for sponsoring. SGS is a leading inspection, verification, testing, and certification company for hotels, right? With their cleaning and disinfection verification services, they help hotels and travelers alike uh, with unbiased approach to cleanliness. Now, what does that mean? That means that when a, we're trying to improve or get the confidence of our guests, right? Um, and have them come back to our hotel. How do they know if your hotel is actually clean? How do they know if it's actually safe? This is what SGS does. They're an unbiased company that comes in uh, virtually or they can come in physically and inspect your property and figure out what steps you need to take to make sure that your hotel is in line with you know, uh, national best practices, uh, cleanliness practices with the CDC. They do work for hotels worldwide. Thank you so much to SGS for sponsoring this episode. And guys, by the way, there's a link right there. And, um, you know, every week we talk about Hospitality Minute. And, um, you know, Sarah, Sarah, you're on. Good morning. <laughs> Sarah, and both of us are doing work for SGS. And mm -hmm. I think it's important to get their our guests' confidence back by oh, definitely. letting them know that this hotel that I'm staying at has a certification of being clean. Like, I've stayed at a few hotel hotels here in the, in the, in the last few months, and so have you. Uh, yeah. You've traveled all over the place to stay at hotels, uh, including Mexico. And how did you know that that hotel in Mexico was clean? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the visibility and, and I mean, dare we say the idea of that, like, hygiene theater. They have to be very... Um, bring their hygiene standards to the the forefront, you know, where before, you know, the cleaning would really happen kind of behind the scenes. And now they really want, everybody wants to make sure that, you know, things are clean. But what I really love about SGS is that, you know, as you mentioned, they are that third party. So, and if you even look at the company, this is what they've done for like over 140 years. So they are a third party verification service across all industries. So they have this high standard, this high level already. And what, what's great is that just in anything, I mean, we can look at hospitality standards with like a Forbes or other industries is that having that third party verification lets travelers know like, okay, we have a third party coming in and we know that this is you know, things are up to par. And then also what I really like about them is that it they monitor as well too. So they give businesses like the certain standards, protocols, make sure things are like up to par and then some, and then it doesn't just end there. It's a continued process. So that's why I've just been, I I was really a fan of what they were doing. Um, I really believe in it and it's, it's great. So um, I've def I've, I'm so glad that like I ended up crossing paths with them. So yeah, well, well, I'm glad we're both working with them. It's, it's a great company, guys. Thank yeah. you so much, SGS. Sarah, it's time for your Hospitality Minute. You guys ready. <laughs> Here we go. I'm Sarah Dandeshi from Ask a Concierge. Every week, I'll be sharing the latest hospitality and travel news and updates in a segment we like to call Hospitality Minutes. All right, Sarah. So there's a lot happening in the industry right now. There's a lot happening within <laughs> just... Uh, uh, 
within just, just this last week, so yeah. much has happened. Let's get right into the hospitality minute. Every week, Sarah comes on to share the latest hospitality and travel news. Take it away, Sarah. Okay. All right. So we've got a lot of things. Um, and I would also suggest if you guys are watching, uh, when we when we get to a couple of slides in, I have a couple of different graphs on here as well this week. So I went because I thought they were really interesting. But let's go ahead and get started with the with the first uh topic. It's actually about Hilton. So they ended up hitting a milestone with one million rooms. Why is this remarkable? Well, it, I mean, they ended up hitting this one million room mark in the middle of a pandemic, uh, which just goes to show you a couple weeks ago, we did kind of talk about um, how the, you know, construction of hotels and how development of hotels are still happening even throughout the pandemic. And so it was really interesting that they were able to, to continue to do this. And I mean, they kind of credit it to being, it's a capital light business model. Um, and that was one of their reasons why they were able to reach this 1 million room milestone. But really interesting and if anything whether you work for for Hilton or not uh it's just good to know that you know the demand is out there and people are still on on track to create more room so um moving on i thought this was really interesting so airlines are now saying that they want workers to be deemed as essential as the vaccine rollout so basically what they are trying to argue is that um Air transport is basically critical to transport transporting the vaccine itself. And so therefore, workers should get a priority in the vaccine line. Why I find this interesting and why I wanted to bring it up is it's like, okay, I get what they're saying. But then, then we also think about us in the hotel industry, or maybe you're thinking about servers. So it's like, at what point do we draw the line in regards to that? Obviously, we all... Um, want to get back to work and be in an environment where we can, you know, work comfortably and safely. But I do find it interesting that, you know, basically the, the airlines are being like, our employees are essential as well, too. So just a food for thought. Interesting to hear what they're doing. Um, and yeah, so moving right along, let's, okay, so this was kind of cool. The U.S. Um, hotel industry forecast has been adjusting in response to, obviously, our winter surge that we're in, um, as well as the anticipation of vaccines. Now, um, according to CBRE, they actually were forecasting an av that average national occupancy level of 44.4% during the first half of 2021, and then an increasing to about 55.7% during the second half. Um, really what they are saying is that, you know, vaccines um, and have been like essential to rolling out in the first quarter, and then we will end up seeing the regard, the, um, benefits of that. So this is a really cool graph. If you guys want to take a, a photo of it, they actually put it out and you can actually see the trajectory. Um, again, kind of going back to what they've said over the past couple of months. I mean, we're really kind of looking to um, ADRs and RevPAR levels, not really kind of getting back to what they were at the beginning of the year till about 2024. Um, but this is a really interesting graph. I found it and I, I've figured um, you guys might find it interesting as well, too. Um, and then moving right along. <laughs> um, so more than half of pre-pandemic hotel jobs are still gone. And I know this might not sound so exciting, and I, um, but I do, I will have a positive spin on it. Um, I mean, basically what we're kind of seeing is, is that hotel staffing um, at U.S. hotels is about 46% uh, of pre-pandemic levels and obviously right now we are going through this winter surge and it is expected to drop. But that being said, you know, we are kind of like entering the slow season and you, 
I, you know, a lot of us are very optimistic for next year. And with the whole rollout of the vaccine and, and everything like that, they're kind of like looking at probably everybody getting everything, you know, all the essential workers and everybody, um, people of high risk getting the vaccine probably within that first quarter and then rolling out to the rest of the public probably starting about April. But we are seeing a big correlation with that compared to, um, again, hotel occupancy, um, forecasts and plans and just kind of getting life back together. By no means is this to say that life will be back to more normal by summer, but we're definitely looking at it um, in a really interesting way. But I love this graph as well too. Thank you, Rupesh. Um, that you can see the um, employment levels based on the type of hotel from economy mid-scale, uh, upper mid-scale, upscale, and upper upscale. So it's just really interesting to see that, that you're kind of seeing this correlation that sort of the higher end, the more luxury the hotel, the lower their, um, you know, their employment numbers versus more of the economy hotels have been able to really, uh, they've been able to really re retain in general um, their um, occupancy as well as also their staff. So a lot of technical stuff today, but that is it for today's Hospitality Minute. <laughs> great job, great job, Sarah. Now, do you think the hotel associate is okay. an essential worker because I had this early on in March where right. they said, listen, our teams, everybody was afraid to go back to the hotel and people were like, well, I'm not coming back to the front desk. I'm not going to clean rooms. I heard that from thousands of people Same. in late March, April. They said, I'm not, I'm not going to come back if, if we're not safe. And they early on deemed that hotels were essential as far as uh, a business. Now, mm -hmm. was that were the associates or the employees working at a hotel essential? And should we be yeah. getting the vaccine too? And that's that's actually why I ended up pulling that story for today because I too have heard that quite a bit. And just <clears> knowing <throat> people, I mean, I know we've got a lot of people that are listening that some have gone back to work, uh, maybe some haven't yet. So it's, so for some people that's, you know, we all have different levels of concern um, and we all, you know, and, and it's all valid, you know, just depending on our background and, and all of that. So that is a great question. I just thought it was really interesting that if if the airlines are going to say that, then do hotels say that? Then who else? Then who's next? Restaurants say that? Where do we end up drawing the line? You know, yeah. obviously at some point, you know, they want to make it available for for everybody, whether it's for comfort or whether it's a requirement. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see who kind of chimes up and be like, okay, we're essential. Make sure you get to us first. But, you know. Yeah. We'll, we'll I'm glad healthcare workers are getting it first because, you know, yeah. my dad being in the hospital for two months and then eventually dying from COVID um, October yeah. 23rd. I saw what the hospital and their staff was struggling with and yeah. it was tough. And I know they get home every day and are they, they're afraid of infecting maybe their family or their friends and then coming back to work and saying, listen, is this the day I'm going to be on a ventilator because I got sick and, yeah. um, and, and, and worse. Right. And so yeah. those are the things I kind of I think about, and I'm happy that this vaccine's out. It's going to help us all. <clears throat> And yes, occupancy levels are down right now for a lot of hotels, including ours. Um, but I see the end of the light. I see that there's going to be some positivity as people get more confident in traveling. And I think that's mm -hmm. happening. Um, and I think people are already planned their mm -hmm. next year's trips. I heard, I know a lot of people that have planned their next year's trips, which is amazing. Yes. And uh, um, 
I'm, I'm excited about that. So Sarah, of where can people find you? I know you have a huge following. You have over wow. 120,000 followers on Instagram. Okay. Verified, <laughs> you're a verified account on Instagram. She's on YouTube. You're on LinkedIn. You're like all over the place. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? You guys can find me. Well, first of all, my website, which is askaconcierge.tv, uh, cover a lot of things more in depth there, but you can find me online, Instagram, as Rupesh said, I'm definitely there, uh, as well as YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and of course, LinkedIn, connect with me here. So, um, so yeah, you can find me anywhere. Sarah, I know you're excited about having uh, or listening to Mr. David Kong here on I the know. show. You're going to be watching the entire time. And um, thank you for some of the questions that you helped me put together to ask him. Um, I know a lot of people are asking or, or want to ask questions. Guys, if you're listening and if you have a question for him, please comment. And by the way, guess what? We're giving away a $50 gift card to Amazon before the end of the show. So the most engaging person will win this $50 gift card. And I'm super excited to next bring on our featured guest. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you guys. See you next Wednesday. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, guys. So I'm now going to bring on the featured guest. Uh, let me just share some fun facts with you. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people this last week and in, in the past, I've heard a lot of great things. Two things that everybody says about Mr. David Kong, the CEO of Best Western Hotels is he's humble he's kind, which I just love. And, and, and there's so many other words, positive words that they say about this. Uh, fun facts, he's the longest running CEO of a major hotel company out there. And um, we're gonna get to his background. They have 4,700 hotels uh, within their portfolio. And I'm super excited to bring him on and share all about what's going on uh, in the best Western world and in hospitality. So uh, Mr. David Kong is the president and CEO of Best Western Hotels and Resorts. Under Kong's leadership, the Best Western Hotel Resort has resorts have expanded to portfolio of 18 distinct brands in every chain segment, every segment, including economy uh, uh, to luxury, offering experiences in traditional uh, from traditional hotels to extended stays, to boutique and lifestyle hotels. Kong has positioned the company as a front runner in innovation, being named the most innovative innovative companies uh, in the world by Fast Company in 2018. That's awesome. His achievements uh, were further honored in 2019 with Hotel Interactive and Guest Lab Magazine, both naming him, Mr. Kong, the innovator of the year, which is amazing. I have the honor and privilege to bring on Mr. David Kong. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Rupesh. Great to be on your show. You know, when I when I was explaining to my friends, I was like, I have the CEO of Best Western. They're like, oh my God, I love that brand. It's awesome. You guys are doing so many amazing things. You have 18 different brands within uh, a choice that everybody can pick from. And you saw Sarah share that, uh, that chart. You're across all those all, all those uh, segments, which is awesome. So you see that there's hoteliers, you know, um, and, and, I, and I, we'll, we'll talk about the model, but welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Now, you're the longest running CEO of a major hotel company. And um, how does that happen? How does that happen? How did you get into the hotel business? Uh, how I started? Well, it's uh, it's actually, um, 
pretty boring story because when I was in high school, I already knew that I wanted to be in the hotel business. I, I grew up in Hong Kong. And at the time, you know, my parents worked very hard. They basically worked uh, six and a half days every week. So they really treasured the little family time that we have together. And my dad used to take us to nice restaurants for family dinners on Sundays. And at that time, the nice restaurants were all in hotels. Uh, so from a young age, I was exposed to a lot of the fancy hotels like the Hilton uh, chain in, in particular. Uh, so when it was time for me to go to university, I decided to major in hotel administration. And I went to Hawaii, actually, the University of Hawaii. Um, and from that point on, I just started working in hotels. And it's, it's been almost 50 years. Yeah. What was your first position at a hotel? Well, I was a dishwasher busboy, and someone took a chance on me and made me a waiter. And I just progressed up the ladder from that point on. I, I basically worked almost every job in the hotel industry. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I read about in your background, and it, it's really cool to see that you moved from here to there. And you and I haven't read that you took a job that you're, I think you're living in, this, I think you're living in San Francisco and you had an opportunity for a less lower paying position and you took it as an opportunity. And, you know, that's happening right now where, where, where hoteliers or people that are laid off or furloughed, they're like, well, why would I go work at a hotel for less money right now when I'm so used to this one thing? And I think it was an opportunity cost for you that you took this on and to become where you, you know, with the experience and become where you are or where you are today. Uh, can you please share that mindset, why you thought taking a lower paying job would maybe help you along the way? Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that, especially when you're building your career, you, you can't make it too comfortable for yourself. You have to give yourself a, a lot of tests and subject yourself to hardship because that's how you grow. And at the time, I was with a small, medium-sized hotel company, and I just got a promotion. They were notified me that I was going to be resident manager at a 400-room um, a uh, hotel in San Francisco, which would be a dream job for a lot of people. Uh, but it so happens that my wife, who was working at Hyatt at the time, told me about an opening as an assistant food leverage director for the Hyatt Regency in Dallas, which was a almost thousand room hotel at that time and mega food and beverage operation. And um, it, I, I went to interview for the job just for the heck of it. But, you know, the kind of interview that I was given um, made me want to work for Hyatt at that time. You know, the, the person who interviewed me was Stan Bromley. He was a legend in the industry or has been a legend in the industry. Uh, he asked me questions about how do you dice an onion? What are the five major mother sauces and how do you make a Sharon sauce and very technical questions and I thought wow this this I'm interviewing for an assistant food marriage director's job there's a whole culinary staff uh, that's really not my department and yet he asked me about those things which really showed the depth that they want in, in their people and and I thought well if I started working for Hyatt I could gain a lot of knowledge along the way so that's why I decided to take the higher job, which was basically two steps down and about $10,000 pay cut. Well, back in the 70s, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So I, I did that and I progressed uh, with Hyatt. I was with Hyatt for 19 years. And then there was another time which I did that again, which 
was uh, when I was uh, in the corporate office at Hyatt, and I've been there for about 10 years in sales and marketing, and I was exposed to a lot of things in database marketing, website, uh, so on and so forth. Um, and there was an opportunity to join a consulting company. And, and I thought, wow, you know, I've never been a consultant. Uh, so I took that opportunity and went to KPMG Consulting and did that for a year, which really rounded off my experience because every job just basically teaches you something, uh, whether at the time you appreciate it or not. But in looking back, every job gave me an opportunity to grow and develop. Uh, it may not be on the technical side, but it always helped round up my experience. So my suggestion to people who have to sidestep their career a little bit and or take a step down is look, we're we not, we not sprinting. Uh, we're not in a, in a race where we have to sprint. We're in a marathon. And in a marathon, you have to cross train. You can't be running all the time. You have to cross train. So this is like taking the time to cross train makes you stronger and makes you better able to handle the race in the future. Right. And so from working there, how did you become the CEO? Because I think there's a lot of people watching right now. Like, I would love to, I've been working my butt off. I've been doing this and that, and I've learned all these experiences. And by the way, I learned, I discovered that you learned every bar, every liquor, uh, bottle at the bar and understood what it was and the label and all those things. That was a great story that I read about your uh, background and experience. But how do you actually become the CEO of a major hotel chain? Well, all these uh, things that you talked about are interrelated. And, and I talked about building a foundation and cross-training. When I was a waiter, bear in mind that I came from Hong Kong, right? It's, I, I wasn't exposed to the way of life here in the United States and certainly not familiar with uh, a lot of the names of uh, uh, scotches or bourbon or gin or vodka. Uh, when I became a waiter, when people order name brands, I, I have to know what they're talking about. Right? So I made it a point to go to the liquor store in the supermarket and try to learn every brand there is. Uh, so when people say, hey, can hey, I know what it is. Um, but it, it, the, the way that I became CEO uh, is actually attributed to the foundation that I gave myself. Uh, talked about taking pay cuts and, and joining different companies to learn. Uh, basically, at, at Best Western, I was on an engagement for Best Western and as a consultant uh, to work on the loyalty program. And the CEO at the time said, well, you did a great job with this plan. And would like you to join the company to make it happen, <laughs> which to a consultant is probably the worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. As consultants, you basically, you know, you, you take information from everyone and regurgitate it back to the company and you move on. Um, so for a lot of consultants, that would be the worst nightmare, but they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So I joined Best Western. And within three and a half years, uh, I had five promotions to eventually become to becoming the uh, CEO. Uh, but I attribute that entirely to the foundation that I gave myself. I, I was very uh, well-versed in many areas, whether it's rooms or food and beverage or sales or marketing or technology. Uh, and you think about what I did at Hyatt, what I did at the consulting company. Uh, I mean, all those experiences made me uh, uniquely qualified for the position when it became available.
Right. And I love that you are going above and beyond that position. Uh, just not, It's not just what you learn within your box, but you're going outside your box and learning different departments, learning things that you would have not learned just uh, just in this one bubble. Right. And I, I love that you went above and beyond your duties, because I think that's key right now when you're like, I'm the front desk manager or the uh, FMB manager or any position at a hotel and you can learn outside of your bubble within your, maybe you're outside of your department and learn things that you, maybe you can bring in. I always talk about when, when I go to a restaurant, especially if it's like a branded or something very cool, I think about how I can use their marketing, their experience and their customer service and bring it back to my hotel. So it's the same thing when we're talking about, um, hotel operations i think it's important when you're going above and beyond like you like you're talking about that so many people can learn and i think those those are the habits those are your those habits that you've learned and now you've become the ceo is that is that true well that's absolutely true and if you read the book uh, seven habits of highly effective people they talk about shopping the soul uh, which is always giving yourself opportunity to grow and develop and and what you said is uh, is so right i i really believe in that you look for every opportunity to learn and develop. And, and I call that being intellectually curious. If you're intellectually curious, you can be very well first in many things. And when the opportunity comes along, you'll be the person to be able to land that job. Right, right. And, and we're talking about habits. What are some habits that you kind of have every single day to keep you going? Because, you know, the last seven months, nine months have been tough for everybody. And What's a few habits that you kind of keep yourself going? Because I know as a CEO, you're run, you have this big team, you have all these people looking up to you. And often as sometimes as leaders, you know, same thing with me, I feel like it's a roller coaster going up and down. Uh, we're talking about like, how do you keep yourself going? And what are the, some of the habits that you um, use to keep yourself motivated? Um, I, I like what you said earlier about being kind. And, and also you mentioned something about being positive. I think those are two very important leadership traits, especially at this time. People want empathy and kindness uh, during this pandemic because they're suffering incredible personal and professional hardship. And to be able to put yourself in their shoes and relate to their pain and be able to speak to them as such is, is so very important as a leader at this time. People want you to understand their hardship. So I would say that that's first and foremost. And being positive is also important, giving people hope that this too will be over uh, is, is really important. And, and that positivity and hope is what keep people going. Uh, because when there's so much darkness around you, they really look for that little glimmer of hope. So those two things are, are very important. Uh, but that aside, um, I, I think if you look at seven habits of highly effective people, all seven habits are really important. And the one that I particularly like is being proactive. Um, you know, every person, every company has a life cycle. You have to understand where you are uh, or where the company is. You know, at this time when, when there's so much hardship and the business is way down, it's a different phase than where, where we were in 2019 with everything going right and hitting on all cylinders and breaking new records all the time. So you have to be very attuned to what phase of the life cycle you are in personally and what the company is in uh, from, a from a professional standpoint. 
and be very attuned to what you need to do in that particular phase. And, and maybe you don't have all the answers, but surround yourself with people that can help you think about these things. And, and I believe in constantly transforming and evolving yourself. And I use the word reinvent yourself or reinvent the company uh, because sometimes the situation dictates what you need to do. And sometimes you can make the situation um, something that's uh, going to be positive and productive for you. So there are two ways to look at it, but being proactive allows you to be successful in either case. Right, right. And I love that you're not just waiting. And we talked about this in the past is not just waiting for opportunities to come to you, but going out there. Maybe if you're out of a job, go hit 200 hotels, go hit every hotel in your market and then outside your market. And I, we shared that, right? It wasn't just waiting to throw two resumes out there and then wait for somebody to call you. It's being proactive. I, I wrote that down. I'm writing these things out that you're sharing with me, but I love that we can talk about this to keep everybody going. And like you said, everybody is struggling no matter what. You can have, you can be the CEO of a major hotel company or uh, work the front desk at a hotel or be cleaning rooms. Everybody is going through a struggle, I feel like. And, you know, these struggles, I feel like, make us more stronger as an as a individual and then maybe as a team. What are some struggles that you've been through through your career that have made you stronger as a person um, that have helped you lead to, you know, where you are now? Well, my, my career hasn't been smooth sailing. <laughs> Just like everybody else's, we all have our ups and downs and setbacks and disappointments. Uh, but what I did have that never changed was a belief in myself. Mm. I, I know that if I had a failure, it was going to be transitory and I would pull out of it. And the, the reason I have that confidence in myself is when I left Hong Kong, my dad told me, you know, we might not be um, <laughs> the most qualified person for whatever job that we were given, but what we do have is is dedication and hard work, that work ethic. My, my dad worked six and a half days um, every day of his, I mean, every week of his uh, life and when he was working. And so I, I grew up with that work ethic and I knew that hard work and dedication will overcome any, any um, difficult situation. Um, so I believed in myself and um, I, I think going through hardship does make you a, a better person. And I've had setbacks in my career. Um, I had to pivot and do something different. And I look back, well, that made me a better person and made me appreciate other people that might be in that kind of pain and made me appreciate that uh, what I had was actually pretty good, but what I got myself into was even better because I was able to, um, to learn and, and grow from that point on. So setbacks are transitory. And, and don't let that uh, define who you are. We need to define who we are. Right, and, and I, I like that you believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else does. Is that, <laughs> I, I feel like that's true. And I have a mindset in the past where I would judge myself like I'm not good enough. And I would be in that mindset like, there'd be like, we're on a roller coaster ride. I feel like all the time, this is part, it's called life, right? And I would in the past think like, I'm not good enough. Why am I doing, even often I say, why am I even doing the show? Why are people even listening to me? Um, I'm nobody, but then I have to think, you know what? There's confidence in you. You're helping at least one person out in the world. 
And, and that's what I look back to. If I, as long as I can inspire one person and share and help somebody grow, I think that's okay. And, and, and I think for all of us, if we're doing that and just think about that one person, instead of trying to build a huge following and then helping nobody, um, I think that's important. And um, I, I love what you're doing here. And, and, and like I said earlier, is everybody I talked to, they said, you're the most humblest guy. You're so kind. Um, is that a learned trait or does that come from your family? How did you learn just to be humble and kind and yeah you you know you have this and you are, have this title and all these other things but where do where do those feelings come from or how did you get that mindset well i have to first admit that uh, I, have, I still have a long ways to go um, and i appreciate all the accolades but you know i i still have a long ways to go i, I aspire to be an even better person than who i am but i'm introspective I, I always look for opportunities and prove and ask for feedback but I wasn't always like this I, I remember when I started off in my career when I became a manager I just felt like uh, I needed to prove myself so I was I was harsh on people that worked for me and on myself uh, I, I had very high standards uh, but over time I, I learned that that wasn't the best way to do things but you know, growing up in the industry in the 80s, that was a style of management. Everybody talked about the GM. Oh, he's a really tough GM. And I remember one GM that I worked for, he, he would hop on the room's executive every single morning about the tracks of the elevator. Um, but he had a point, but the way that he did that was really offensive by today's standards, but at the time was acceptable. Uh, but I, I, I'll tell you uh, what really was a life-changing experience for me. My son was born with a hole in his heart, and he almost didn't make it. And my boss at the time was not very understanding at all. And, you know, mind you, I, I lived in Arlington, and I had to commute to Fort Worth Hospital to see my son, and I had to go to Dallas to go to work, and that commute is it's pretty pretty difficult, especially during traffic hours. Uh, and I was putting in unbelievable hours at work anyway. And my team was very good, and they, they all supported me, and we were achieving the best results ever. Uh, the highest growth in revenue, the best profit the hotel has ever seen, the, um, the best satisfaction survey results from our guests. So, I mean, based on the report card, everything was great. Uh, but this GM was just being very difficult about um, my not spending enough time at work, <laughs> given my personal situation. That, that was like asking for the impossible. Um, uh, but through that experience, I realized the importance of empathy. Uh, when you're going through that kind of pain, you want people to be able to understand and relate to, to your pain and um, be, be nice enough to say a few reassuring and comforting words to you. That's what I wanted, but I never got it. So I say you learn something working with every boss, whether they are a good boss or a bad boss, because the good ones you learn what to do, the bad ones you learn what not to do. And, and that experience taught me empathy. And, and I, from that point on, I have been a better person, I think. <laughs> like you said earlier, hardship always makes you a better person. Right, and did your son recover from his uh... He's 30 years old now, has a pot belly. <laughs> so he said, fully recovered.
Awesome, that's good to hear. Yeah, empathy I think is important, especially, and sometimes empathy comes from when you don't even understand what they're going through. It's just listening to them. That could be empathy instead of just asking. Like sometimes you don't understand. Like before, my dad just died two uh, two months ago uh, from COVID, and he was sixty five years old. He was in decent health, and and he just both my parents got it, and he passed away after being on the ventilator for for forty five days. Um, and it was super hard. And in the past, I've never had anybody go into the hospital like that and be in this position and be in that state. Um, and now I have a different way of looking at life when people are in the hospital. Um, and I know some people that are in the hospital right now, and I can understand that. But even when you don't have that experience, you can understand just by asking questions. And um, and I think you like you received from your that boss you learn how to you said i'm never going to be that person ever again to somebody else and treat them that way and i, and I like that you learned that because i think all of us have to sometimes go through that right right and by the way i'm very sorry to hear about your dad this is shocking I, it's the first time i've heard um, my, my heart goes out to you and your family it must be tremendously difficult um <laughs> you know you always say COVID is going to happen to someone else but for the hit home like that, it must yeah. be immensely uh, difficult. Thank you. Yeah, we you know I was in the we were in the hospital whenever we could, every single day, all day long, and um, still miss him. And you know, um, we just keep going. And through this entire thing, I've just stayed positive. And that's one thing I wrote down that you said is staying positive. It gets better. Um, although we're going to miss him, he's not going to be here for maybe life's memories and experiences that you're going to go through. Uh, your heart's still there for him, and, uh, and and he's there for you too. You know, so that's to kind of look at it. And staying positive is kind of the best way. It's kept me going this entire nine months. Um, actually, in the last five years, I, I just had a different change the way I think instead of thinking of all the negative stuff. Because in the past, I would just be like, "Oh, I'm tired." I complain about a lot of things. I would talk about negative things, and I see that it wasn't driving me to grow any uh anywhere and it was a taking anywhere and so once i had to change my mindset you can get through a lot of these pains and struggles like we're talking about which we're all going through right now and um thank you so much now i want to get into some 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 good news is that best western has 18 brands now within the system and um i love all the stuff that you're doing and you know for 60 years i think Best Western only had one brand, and with your leadership, now you have this huge uh, collection of different experiences for guests. And tell us about what's going on at Best Western and um, help understand what 2021 looks like for your hotels and maybe the industry. Yeah, I mentioned earlier about the need to reinvent yourself or the company and the need to always evolve and keep up with the times. and. It's kind of amazing looking back that in 2010, we only had one brand and today we have 18 brands. And in 2010, we were only in the mid-scale segment and today we well, basically, our portfolio encompasses every segment of the industry. And what we try to do in, in building all those brands is really to give ourselves foundation, the foundation to grow and scale, the foundation to be better appealing to today's customers and travelers. Um, the, the fact of the matter is people want different experiences. And, and sometimes when they travel on business and when they don't travel on, um, uh, they, 
that visa travel, the personal travel, they, they want different experiences. So we have to be in every segment and every price point and every location to be able to provide that uh, experience and build loyalty. And it, it uh, bodes well for our loyalty program, which has grown tremendously now. It's almost 50% uh, of total hotel revenue. Uh, so that contribution of 50% is tremendously important to the success of any hotel company. And so I, I, I think, you know, as we recover from COVID, because of the foundation that we've built over the years and the ability to offer all these options, both to developers and to the traveling public, would enable Best Western to be so much more successful going forward. Right. And uh, what does a pipeline look like for hotels coming into the market? I uh, was in South Carolina, Savannah, uh, about a month ago, and I saw a brand new, I think it was a brand new glow. And oh. it was beautiful. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is the first time I've seen it, uh, looking at a, a glow in, in front of my face. And it was beautiful. Um, how many of those glows are, are, what's in the pipeline for Best Western right now? Okay. Well, first of all, let me just say, uh, because Sarah talked about Hilton um, hitting a million uh, a room count um, uh, mark. And likewise, at Best Western, we actually opened uh, over 300 hotels, close to 350 hotels globally in 2020, which is remarkable in wow. the pandemic. Our pipeline is very robust. We, we have all a bunch of new brands, as you mentioned, uh, Glow and Vibe, as the name implies, are very um, very exciting boutique uh, brands. They are new construction brands and they have to be built to a prototype. Glow, as the name implies, is glows and <laughs> glows in the area. It's like a beacon calling out to where your travelers. If you, if you drive by on the road or from far on the freeway, you'll see, you'll see that building because it, it glows. Vibe uh, is our other exciting boutique lifestyle brand, uh, which has a lot of red and gold and black in it. It's it's very chic, uh, sophisticated, and very exciting. And actually, we just broke ground. We that's what's invested in two projects. Uh, one we own completely. One is a joint venture with another company. Uh, we just broke ground on two vibes, which demonstrates our commitment and our belief in in these new brands. What cities are those in? Sorry. What cities are the vibes in? And one in Tempe, uh, close by Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, both both are in great locations. Um, the, the one in Denver is the Rhino District, which is an up and coming, uh, really exciting district. And uh, our, our new brands actually comprise 40% of our pipeline now, which goes to demonstrate the importance of those new brands. If we didn't have them, our pipeline wouldn't be nearly as robust. Uh, globally, we have about 600, uh, 700. Um, hotels in a pipeline at this time. Wow, that's awesome. And what, which brand are you most excited about right now? I mean, I, it, it's like, as I was asking, what, what child is your favorite, right? To a lot of, to many, but uh, I would ask this question, you have 18. Um, which one are you most excited for here in the near future? I am excited about our economy segment brands, uh, Chaussee, Chaussee Plus, and Chaussee Studio, and, and Chaussee Collection. Um, Shawstay won the J.D. Power Award for Best uh, Economy Segment Hotel in 2020. So I'm extremely excited about the, that, those brands. 
Um, I'm also excited about Best Western Premier, which uh, won the J.J. Powell Award last year for the best mid upscale brand. Um, and, and then, um, I mean, I, I like all our brands. Every, every brand has a niche, and every brand would be very successful. Our, our Best Western and Best Western Plus brands would always be extremely successful because, you know, we have over a thousand hotels in those brands. So they will always be very successful and sold after their crown jewels, as I would say. Uh, but I'm, in, in terms of other new brands, I particularly like Aiden, which is a upper mid-scale conversion brand. And it allows the, the owners to provide a, an experience that's unique to the marketplace that hotels in. It really empowers the vision mm -hmm. that owner wants out of that hotel. Um, it, it's not prototypical design. It's, uh, we, we have a design team that worked with the developers to help them envision what the hotel could be like and what experience that they should provide and how they can transform the current hotel. And the proposition is simple. Uh, if you're going to spend money to renovate a hotel, whether it's to meet the, the requirements of uh, your brand, uh, why not reposition it? Why not use the repositioning opportunity to expand the customer base and command a high average rate and get a better return on what you're going to spend on renovation anyway? Make it a boutique brand, which is the fastest growing segment aside from the economy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a lot of hotel brands are going into the experience side of things when we're talking about um, staying at a hotel. And now there's many companies, not just hotels, offering this experience. Um, are you guys doing the same when you're trying to make an experience like memorable for a guest? Are there some cool things that you're doing as far as technology um, at your hotels? Yeah, absolutely. Vive and Glow uh, tech-centric uh, brands and you know we've worked with uh, Samsung and LG and different different companies to create that uh, high-tech experience uh, but more importantly you know technology is only part of the experience it, it's really everything else from the minute you walk in uh, or with the minute you look at the hotel you know what it looks like until you walk in the feel that you get from the hotel and and then the interaction with the staff, or how are they attired? Do they look the part? You know, for Aiden and Glow and these brands, we, we like our employees to be um, to have piercing and to have tattoos and <laughs> to to not wear the typical uniform you would expect in a hotel. Yeah, to look the part for a lifestyle boutique brand. Mm -hmm. uh, they have lots and lots and lots of components. Probably too many mentioned on this on this call. Uh, but there's a whole team of people that actually go out to the hotel and train them, train every single person in the hotel uh, to provide that experience from a GM all the way to a housekeeper. Everybody has to lift the part, look the part, and act the part. What are some things that they're getting trained on? Because I know a lot of brands don't do that where they come on property and teach customer service and guest experience and how to interact and maybe um change the way you know change the way guests feel about when they're walking into a hotel what are some things that you're doing as far as maybe even a housekeeper i, I would love to learn that well it's a little things so it's always a little things that make an impression um so you know it, it, during this time obviously kind of protocol is the, the most important thing and like what sarah said earlier you have to demonstrate in tangible ways that you're focused on cleanliness and safety and 
well-being of the guests. So that, that is first and foremost. Uh, but but the, the little things is like the little touches in, in, the, in the guest room. Um, everything has got to be perfect. As everything has to be working. And uh, so we use big bulk dispensers in the, in the bathroom, for example, for those friends. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's not only green, but it's it's what people want nowadays. And you have to make sure it's temp approved, and you have to make sure it's filled properly. You have to make sure it's clean, and, and so on and so forth. So there are a lot of little things that really all adds up to be something that's an experience. But by itself, you might not think anything of it. But it's a lot of little things added up that make that experience. Yeah, and, and looking forward to, to 2021 and beyond, I think that those experiences and those personal engagements are going to make your hotel or a hotel different than just everybody on the block, right? And I think those things are what make hotels memorable. And it's that team and then it's that training. I love that you guys are doing the on-property training or at least training that gets everybody together and motivates them because I feel like a lot of times hotels and a lot of hotels that they Maybe once a year during Christmas, they have a party and before the party, they do an hour training, right? And, and no one's in the training mode at that time when you're talking about partying, right? Um, and so I like that you're talking about, we need to train everybody, it's not just the GM. And then it, and it's not just uh, DOS, but it's kind of going across all, all different parts of the hotel to understand and let them understand how to offer experiences, how to offer this great, um, service and memorable service because that's i think that's what's going to make you different uh beyond just the rooms that you might have that are fairly similar these days for you know amongst hotels right right and and to us uh, the training is also about adopting an attitude i don't mean a snooty uh, aloof attitude like you see in some of these brands but uh a, a rather accommodating and helpful and centered around attitude centered around the local experience be very well versed with uh, what's in the neighborhood what what are their favorite restaurants for example at the front desk we keep a list of restaurants that they the employees have have used and and like not just the typical steakhouse that you know people would recommend yeah absolutely and um the guys you guys have posted so many hundreds of comments so far now uh they've been all amazing please keep sharing your comments on the in the in the in the comment below and uh we're gonna be picking somebody before the end of the show to win an amazon 50 dollars gift card um a lot of great questions a lot of uh things coming from like all over the place but uh, my question to you is how do you keep all of us if you're working at a best western working at a glow any any hotel within your within the portfolio and maybe outside of your industry, um, how can we keep people motivated uh, in the industry to say, listen, it is going to be getting better here soon. How do you keep them from saying, listen, I'm going to go work for some other industry? Um, and how do you keep them motivated right now? Because you're probably hearing that all the time. We're struggling. How do we keep going? Well, I, I think you have to recognize a problem if there's a problem. I mean, otherwise, they can't solve the problem. You have to recognize that there is a problem. Our industry has suffered tremendously. We, we are down. We're going to be down by probably as an industry 55% from 2019. That's a reality. So with this with this backdrop to try to look for a job at this time in the hotel industry is futile, and it's you're just going to frustrate yourself and and disappoint yourself. Uh, so I, I I suggested to 
I, I spoke at the NYU conference some months ago, and I suggested to students, it's okay to go look for a job with Google or Amazon or somebody else. It's perfectly fine. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like cross-training. You just think of it as cross-training. But I know the hotel industry left in our hearts. I know it's in our blood. And once you get involved in the hotel industry, it's just part of us. I know that many of these future leaders would be coming back to us. So no need to disappoint yourself. Do pivot and do something different right now. But come back uh, because this is where you belong. You are our future leaders. So come back. We, we want you to come back when, when things are going to be better. Right. And one other, one final question that I have, and there's so many other questions I would love to ask you. I know your time is limited, is um, what's one inspirational message that you can send to GMs that are working right now? They're the DOS, they're the housekeeper, they're the front desk associate, they're maybe driving the shuttle, they're trying to get rooms filled. Um, how do you, what's a message that you can share to these GMs that are wearing multiple hats right now? They're working long hours. Some of them are frustrated. Now it's Christmas, holidays are coming up and now they're like, well, I've been working 70, 80 hours a week. What's one thing that you could say, listen, you know what? Keep it going. Yeah, I, I, I said this earlier. I, I've been in those situations. I've lived multiple, multiple downturns from the 70s or Holland Bargo in Hawaii, where there are very few flights coming into Hawaii and hotels running occupancy in the 30s, uh, 40s. I, I've lived those days um, and I've, I've been out of work, uh, worried about how am I going to pay my tuition and how I'm going to be able to make a living uh, with no income. I, I've been through all that and so I can relate to the hardship right now, uh, having to wear many hats. In, in our company, we, we have to separate from almost half the team. Uh, from the from the onslaught of the pandemic, it was really painful because many of them were our friends and people that we we enjoyed uh, working with and people that built this company. So that was very painful. And and now the remaining staff have to wear multiple hats. They all have to take on additional responsibilities, similar to a hotel. Um, an owner today and and our segment oftentimes have to be the front desk clerk has to be the laundry person, their families are involved in helping to clean rooms because we're trying to conserve and trying to survive and tremendous hardship and difficulties right now. And of course, all of us are concerned about catching the virus or our loved ones catching the virus. So uh, th these are tremendously challenging times. Uh, but through all that, we have to always remind ourselves, stories have been written about this pandemic. It's a story that's going to be told for years to, to come. But we get to be the authors of this story. We get to write that story. So how would you like it to be written? And I said this earlier, the pandemic should not define us. We should define the story. Right. And with that, my final, final question, one word. The best leader would do, uh, the best leader would do what? A great leader would do what? At this time? At this time. Well, at this time and always be kind. I love that. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a pleasure speaking with you. It's a pleasure learning about 
your background and um, let's keep in touch. And I, I wish you and your family and the entire Best Western team happy holidays and a, a uh, better 2021. And uh, thank you so much for being on. Well, thanks very much for passion. I wish everyone and you and your family a very blessed holiday season and a new year that's healthy and successful. Yeah, and where can people find you, lastly? LinkedIn. Yeah, you have a big following on LinkedIn and you share a lot of great inspirational stories. Um, here's his LinkedIn um, link. And uh, thank you so much. We'll talk to you uh, hopefully soon. Thank you, Rupesh. Happy holidays. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Guys, that was inspirational. If you loved this episode, please hit the comments. Please share this with your entire team. David had so many great stories from being the dishwasher to now be become the CEO. You understood how he went through it. It wasn't just one way and he, he went through it. He went through a lot of struggles. I've read his background and it's inspiring to see that we can all do this. We can all be where he is, right? Um, and it's just that determination that he talked about. It's that confidence. It's that drive. It's going above and beyond. Like he said, it wasn't just as he knew his job when he stayed in the box. He went outside the box. And I love that we can all do that. We can all inspire each other to keep going. And I love that um, we have been doing that these last few months. And guys, thank you so much. If you've loved this episode, please hit the comments and let me know that you did like it. And um I'm going to pick a winner for this week's uh, episode. It is Adele Angie's. I'm hoping I say that right. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I wish I could give everybody a $15 gift card to Amazon right now because I, I was reading the comments as I was uh, listening. And you guys had some great comments. And I love that we just kept each other going. And because of you, I keep this going. And because of you, that I get inspired to share and bring on some amazing people like Mr. Kong. And uh, thank you so much to the, to the winner, Adele Angies, and uh, all of you for being on the show next week. And by the way, I'm gonna re read real quick. Uh, this episode is sponsored by, and let me pull it up real quick, SGS. And somebody put the put the link in the, banner, in the uh, comments real quick. Here it is. It is bit.ly forward slash SGS Rupesh. That takes you to the landing page. That way you understand how to get um, a verification for your uh, cleanliness and get uh, hotel guests back on uh, to feel more confident about your hotel and let them understand that you guys meet the standards for what's going on in the industry. Thank you so much to SGS. Now, next week, I'm super excited because uh, next week, is going to be a solo show, I think, uh, unless I unless I bring somebody else on as a surprise guest. It's going to be the ten lessons I learned this year from the great leaders that I have interviewed this year. There's been you know we'll have 50, uh, 52 episodes in, in, in it by the end of the year, but you know I've learned from so many amazing leaders like Mr. David Kong that I'm going to be sharing the ten lessons I learned next week, next Wednesday at nine thirty a.m. Uh, Eastern time and share with you that you guys can get inspired and maybe we'll talk about um, our new year's resolution as we get into as we end the year and uh, stay positive guys uh, if you want to watch any of the past episodes we want to re-watch this episode inspire your entire team go to rupesh r-u-p-e-s-h dot c-o and there it is uh forward slash show 
and go back and watch all the past episodes. They're on YouTube and on my page. And by the way, we're updating the page uh, to add more of the past episodes on. So please go there. Congratulations to Dell. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And please take care of each other. Please take care of yourself. And happy holidays to all of you. We'll see you next Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. Until then, see you later.